Welcome to Stories in the Dark, a podcast about strange and creepy things. Come listen to the dark. Welcome to Stories in the Dark, Season 2. This season, we have more creepy, dark, and freaky stories for you, but with an all-new twist. This season, we are all about demons. The demons that live inside you. The demons that haunt you. And even the demons that hunt you and want to see what your insides look like. So stay with us and hear all about demons from around the world. Demons in space and the demons that you would do anything to get away from. This week's episode is Winter Wonderland. Tickets are 75% off, the ad said, and despite myself, I clicked on it. I know better than to click on internet ads. I know that things that look too good to be true usually are. And I know that even 75% off is a little too pricey, but I can't help it. My kids are pissed. Their first Christmas since the divorce, and they mostly got clothes from me and ignored by my ex. I would do anything to cheer them up. Margot, the oldest, shaved her head on Christmas Eve. Chris, the boy, the middle, drew angrily in his sketchbook and wouldn't let me see, and spent far too much time in the bathroom. Carly, the littlest, the sweetest so far, was the only one who acted like she still loved me or anyone else. The other two looked like they wouldn't notice if the house burned down around them. And I loved them, and I hated this Christmas just as much as they did. So I looked in my bank account and scrounged under the bed and decided if I didn't eat when they were at their dad's, I could maybe afford a 75% off trip to Winter Wonderland. I bought the tickets and read the instructions, the parking, the directions. I printed everything out because cell coverage and internet access pretty much suck out there. And no way was I going to risk a car full of pissed-off kids because I'd messed something up again. Sticky with candy canes and irritable from being cooped up with each other, we forced some cheer in the car by singing and playing car games. Carly made us. She was always the fun one. Little Carly, too young to know how much her dad and I had fucked everything up. The older kids were well aware. The roads were clear, but I had to put chains on the tires when the roads started to veer up the mountain. My parents had taken me to Winter Wonderland when I was a girl, and I'd loved it. The hot chocolate with whipped cream and peppermint flakes. The people dressed like they'd stepped out of a German fairy tale. The white horses, the rides, the ice skating... The singing of the elves and the fireworks at night after a day of sledding. These were the memories I wanted to give my children, too, 
the things I treasured from my own past. Lord knows I had nothing else to give them. Margot and Chris were too cool to care, but I caught them, sullen in the back seat, start to look up when we got closer. I would let them pretend not to care. I would let them be them until they were someone else again. This is the nature of children and the hardest part of being a parent. Carly had no problem being who she was. Pigtails flying, eyes bright, breathlessly squealing at the rolling snow around us and the sign that told us we were only 10 miles away. The telephone poles that ran along the country road were decorated with twisting red and white like peppermint sticks and topped with giant red bows. Carly snapped pictures of everything using my phone, which was fine. At least the camera worked, even if nothing else did, without anything to connect to. At least I'd printed out the map. I followed the directions to the lot. With my prepaid ticket, we had a free pass to the parking lot closest to the entrance, and I looked up at the late afternoon sky, worried about how late we were getting there, and pulled into the lot. And that is when I started to worry. The parking lot was entirely, fantastically empty. It didn't even have snow on it. It sat there, alone and barren, surrounded by snow like icing and ringed by peppermint poles and without a soul in sight. Mom, Carly said, and her voice warned of a disappointment so vast I would never be able to fix it. Of course they're closed, Chris snarked from the back seat. Of course you couldn't even do this right. My hands gripped the steering wheel so tight they turned white, true white. Don't talk to me like that, Chris, I said firmly, the way the book told me to. Like dogs, children can sense weakness. They knew I was bluffing. I pulled up close to the entrance, as close as could be, and stopped the car. That's not a spot, Mom, Margot chimed in. I don't think it matters, I told her. Yeah, no one is fucking here, Chris said, and I could see Carly wince in the front seat. She'd had enough of that word during the divorce. Kids, I said, and everyone settled down. I'm going to see if they open later or what. I'm going with you, Chris said, and jumped out of the car before I could stop him. Me too, and me three, from Margot and Carly. So we all got out, legs stiff from the car, and breathed in the sharp, cold air, biting like winter mint into our mouths, our lungs. I walked up to the ticket counter. It was empty, no hours posted, nothing and the gate was wide open. We looked at each other. This was odd. I'd have thought the ticket person had just stepped away, except that there were no guests here. No one. Let me see those, Margot said, frustrated with me, and pulled the printed tickets from my hand. Special pass, she read. Walk right in. Okay. 
We shrugged, grabbed our big coats from the car, and walked through the gates. The eerie quiet echoed around us. The gingerbread buildings were empty. The doors were unlocked, but there were no people anywhere. Instead of the joy I'd felt last time I was here, I felt only an aching sense of loss I didn't understand. The kids felt it too, but instead of showing it, they acted like they didn't. They raided the candy shells. They asked if I could try and make hot chocolate. They searched for ice skates. For me, it was the lack of townspeople that was the weirdest part. I knew people lived here full time. The staff that ran the park lived in apartments over the shops. They loved it here. Many of their families had lived here for generations. To them, it was a small town with lots of tourists. To us, a theme park, a vacation, a retreat from the world. They couldn't all be gone. And so we wandered the snowy streets and looked for the white horses. There were no white horses. The stables were empty. And we watched the sun set over the mountain until the moon rose and lit the snow silver and the streetlights on their own timers clicked on one by one like soldiers of light marching down the street. The shadows were worse than the silence. Without the brightness of day, the streets looked sinister and I imagined I saw small creatures darting through the shadows into the buildings. Worse, I saw them coming out of buildings towards us. I want to go home, Mommy, Carly whispered, and I held her hand. I hadn't thought of leaving. I'd been wandering the streets, lost in thought eating candy and pilfered hot chocolate like the kids, dreaming of the crowds and the laughter and my life before the end of my marriage. My life before it at all, really. But Carly was right. We couldn't stay here. Why were we still here? Margot and Chris were oddly docile. They were walking much as I'd been. Eyes glazed over, unseeing, somewhere else. Where do we go when we're not here? Something ran across the street in front of me. It went on all its legs like a cat, but it had more than four legs, and it was big, too big. Let's go, I said, and took Carly and Margot by the hand. Margot grabbed Chris, and for the first time in a long time, we walked, all holding onto each other, like an actual family. I turned right and left, making my way back to the exit. But no matter which way we went, we kept ending back in the center square, facing the giant Christmas tree. It was surrounded by a small skating rink. We'd not been able to find skates, 
so we hadn't spent much time there, but now every turn brought us back to it. It was fully dark now, and we should have been able to see stars. So many stars out here on the mountain without any large cities. But the sky was dark except for the moon. There were no stars in the sky. I wanted to like the Christmas tree, but I couldn't. It was big and lovely, but I was tired of Christmas, tired of the season, the work, the wrapping, the burnt cookies, the sulking kids. When we got home, I was throwing out our tree. Christmas was days ago, but I'd left the tree up for Carly. If I had to look at one more fucking Christmas tree, I was going to scream. And here was this hulking monstrosity of a tree with its twinkling lights and drooping branches and its strange, strange ornaments. There was something wrong with the ornaments. I walked across the ice in my boots, carefully, not caring that I was dragging the children with me. We slid and slipped but didn't fall. I wanted to see those ornaments up close, but when we got there, I didn't. The ornaments were every good thing about Christmas, taken and twisted into something nasty. Santa wasn't Santa. He was skinny and strange, with snake eyes and a long demonic tongue and claws in his gloves. The elves were actually imps, chasing screaming children across the tree in a garland straight out of hell. Some of the elves were copulating with animals, but not animals like I was used to. These were nightmare creatures, horses with fangs and claws, cat wolves with razor blades in their flesh, dogs with three heads, and worse. I covered Carly's eyes, but it was too late. She had seen the horrors on the tree. Mom, Chris whispered and pointed under the tree. There were presents under there, wrapped with paper the color of blood, topped with holly. Don't touch them, I said sharply. We stared as if hypnotized. There was something wrong with the presents, but I couldn't tell what until I stepped closer and the snow slushed under my feet. It was red. The snow was red. Blood was leaking from the presence. But under the snow, I saw a piece of paper, wet but still intact. I pulled it out, and it was a flyer on coated paper. Winter Wonderland Christmas Feast, I read, and it had today's date on it. And that was it. That and the blood. We need to get out of here, I told the kids, and we held hands as we ran across the ice, 
trying to get away from the tree. We fell a few times and bruised our knees, but we made it back to the snow and the small streets of the little town, and I dragged us all in a new direction, trying to find the exit, and almost ran into an old woman. She was standing in the street outside the candy store we'd been in and out of all afternoon. Her white hair was piled up on her head in a jovial bun, and she had tiny glasses perched on her nose and a white ruffled blouse, green skirt, and red apron. Her cheeks were all red, and she was plump all over, much like the image of Mrs. Claus you see everywhere. I couldn't help it. I hugged her. You must be quite lost, my dears, she said, and led us inside the store. I looked around. The shelves were perfectly stocked, as if we'd not raided them earlier, gorging on candy just hours before. She walked behind the counter and started warming up the old copper hot chocolate maker. Why, yes, we are, I said. There was a fire in the stone fireplace. The kids and I all sat at the counter and watched her make hot chocolate. How did you get in? she asked, still twinkling and jolly, but a hint of sharpness in her voice that didn't go with her Mrs. Claus persona at all. Not even a little bit. The gate was open, Chris said, and handed her our tickets. She held them in her hands, shaking slightly. Come to think of it, she had seemed a little out of breath when we ran into her. She peered through her glasses, squinting. Those little rascals, she muttered, and then laughed, and dropped the papers on the counter when the machine started to whistle. She pulled four old brown mugs off a shelf and poured hot chocolate for each of us, topping it off with whipped cream and dusting powdered chocolate and crushed peppermint sticks on top before setting them in front of us. You should know better than to buy discount tickets online, she scolded me, and I flushed. I knew it was too good to be true, I said, embarrassed, but it was all I could afford. I kept my voice low, but I know the kids heard me. I never wanted them to know about money being tight. Times are hard, Mrs. Claus agreed, but you're in a bit of a pickle now, you know. She took a seat behind the counter. The kids and I looked at each other. What do you mean? I asked. Can't you help us find the exit? She shook her head. I wish I could. You with your young ones and all. But I can't. It's just not done. This is our night, you see. The one night we can be ourselves. She smiled with her mouth full of teeth. You really shouldn't have come tonight. She looked up at the clock. It did not have numbers on it. The gates will open in the morning, she said, smoothing the wood of the counter with her hands, stroking it. Her nails were quite long, oddly long and thick, grotesque even. 
If you make it until morning, you can leave. But until then, you are quite stuck in here. What are you talking about? Margot asked sharply, her hairless head making her look harsh, all angles and planes. Mrs. Claus blinked her yellow eyes at Margot and sniffed the air. You missed the special midday dinner, she said, voice low, and looked at all three children and licked her lips. But we would quite like dessert. We aren't safe here, are we? Carly asked, brave and sweet. I shook my head. You can't stay here, little one, Mrs. Claus said and stood up, stretching her long arms brushing the ceiling. This is just a way station, not a stop. She turned back to us, and her shoulders began to writhe. I'll give you a count of five, she said, her voice full of teeth and blood. And then what? I asked. She turned her head, looked over her shoulder, and winked at me. You should probably run. She closed her eyes and started counting, and we all ran out the door into a street filled with every nightmare creature we had seen on the tree, every shadow creature we'd seen in the streets and thought we had imagined. They all turned towards us, eyes yellow and red and sickly green. And they howled and chittered and ran at us. I picked up Carly and screamed at Chris and Margot to run, run. And they followed me down the street, panting in the cold. Elves sat on the roofs and laughed as we ran, pelting us with rocks and snowballs and gingerbread cookies. The air didn't smell like peppermint anymore. It smelled like gingerbread and burnt hair and blood. The hot chocolate sloshed in my stomach, making me nauseous, slowing me down. Chris paused to retch, and I grabbed his hand and dragged him behind me. Fuck this, he said, and wrenched his hand out of mine. He grabbed Margot and ran into one of the small houses. I heard him lock the door. Chris! I screamed, and Carly started crying burying her face in my neck like she used to when she was a baby. I felt something bite my ankle and I looked down at a tiny elf, younger than Carly and as small as a puppy, and it moved to bite me again and I kicked it. I started running and I heard screaming. I looked back and saw the shadow of the demonic Santa in the house where Chris and Margot had gone. The screaming went on for a full minute and then it cut off wetly. And my heart clenched and I gripped Carly tighter. I wanted to go back for them, but I couldn't. Carly needed me. I didn't know where to go. The houses weren't safe. The streets weren't safe. I zigzagged between streets, hoping to lose them. But every time I thought I'd gotten ahead, I could hear them cackling and yipping behind me. There were so many of them. A whole town full of monsters. One of the animals ran across the street in front of me and stopped, 
growling. I couldn't make sense of all of its legs and heads and teeth. I ran left and tripped over another one. It had my leg in its mouth and I couldn't stand. When I fell, I'd hit my arm hard, but I'd been holding Carly tight, so tight. She was jarred but fine. Go, I whispered. Run and climb and hide. I shoved my phone and car keys into her hands and turned and started hitting the demon dog. Mom, Carly sobbed. Go, I yelled, grabbing the dog's ears and trying to pull it off me. The other one ran up and growled at Carly and I rolled over into it, pinning it underneath me, hoping to buy time for Carly to get away. Run, Carly, I cried, teeth tearing into my legs, my arms, the blood running hot and wet into the snow, feathering out, staining the white with a beautiful, lacy pattern, faint at the edges. And then more of them were on me and I couldn't see anything. Could only hear my own flesh ripping open as they tore into me. And they feasted. Their winter wonderland feast. Their own grisly holiday. Happy holidays! <laughs> <laughs>